hey there, American Farmsteadhers. This is Jenny with the Grimstead Family Farm. And Donna with Hazel Bell Farm. And we are coming to y'all from Northeast Florida as two American Farmsteadhers doing our best to grow our own food and share our homesteading experiences with you in hopes that you would grow a little food of your own. Yep. And this week we are talking with our friend John Byron, Moringa John. How are you? Hey, guys. I'm well. <laughs> Good to see hey. you. <laughs> good, good. We met John um, at Scrub Fest last year. Yep. And um, he started giving us the details on growing moringa. And admittedly, we're a little bit in the dark on this subject and so excited to learn more. So welcome, John. Thank you. Really good to be here. Good deal. I hate to admit it, but I actually have some moringa seeds that have been sitting in my seed cabinet now for like two years that came from Emily's mom's tree. Uh And they're supposed to be amazing seeds and I just have never started them. So this is going to be my motivator. Awesome. Well, that makes my my time complete. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Good, good. Well, tell us, um, tell us why somebody would want to grow Moringa. What, what is it and, and what is the magic behind this? Um, uh, my husband loves TikTok and he, he came to me recently uh, and said, hey, hey, that, that stuff that you want to do something with, that Moringa stuff, it's the tree of life. <laughs> so what, <laughs> How awesome. <clears throat> How awesome. Yeah, there are many names for it. Um, tree of life, uh, drumstick tree, horseradish tree, uh, and they relate to different parts of it. Um, Moringa has been grown for thousands of years. Uh, It's native to uh, the bottom of the uh, Andes Mountains. Uh, It's it's an Asian plant historically. That's how they've traced it back. Um, And doing a little digging, uh, I came across an Egypt encyclopedia and I said huh I wonder and so I looked in um, and it actually was heavily used in Egypt it was so popular they imported excess from from Syria just to supply the demand in Egypt wow um, yeah more notably it's it's uh, it's in Ayurvedic medicine the ancient Indian healing tradition um, and it's in their books as a treatment or a cure for over 300 conditions Wow. Imagine being a healer 3,000 years ago and writing Moringa down 300 times in your textbook. Um, wow. It's been around forever. More uh, <clears throat> impressively for us as we've modernized agriculture, um, it's been discovered that Moringa has stunning nutritional benefits for all of our farm animals as well as for ourselves as humans. And that's really the number one way that people mostly get introduced to Moringa is someone has used it and they no longer have arthritis or they've reduced their uh, need for pharmaceuticals, which <laughs> we won't say any more about because we want right. black coming up around us. But anyway, <laughs> uh, it has a stunning nutritional component to it that, and it's all bioavailable. So it allows us all to heal naturally, animals and humans. Awesome. Yeah, I um, I have heard stories about it being such an anti-inflammatory that people have completely uh, quote unquote healed their arthritis, or I guess they they have eliminated their symptoms um, and the pain that comes with them. Yeah, yeah, it's a uh, stunning for diabetics. It has anti-cancer properties, antibacterial properties, antiviral properties. 
Um, it is one of Earth's most nutrient-dense plants also for the nutritional component. Uh, Well-grown, it can contain over 90 vitamins and minerals. Moringa has up to 46 antioxidants. So when you were talking about the antioxidant value, on the charts, it's one of the highest on Earth. Um, and it's the only plant grown in terra firma uh, that can produce all nine essential amino acids to make complete protein. It's the only edible leaf that you don't need to combine with others for the amino acid profile to get your protein source. Oh, cool. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> right. That's no idea. And yeah. for us as, as homesteaders and farmers, it's super fast growing and it's mm -hmm. also perennial. Plant once, enjoy forever. Mm -hmm. As a workhorse on the, on the farm, it can be any of your permaculture canopies. Okay. If you can coppice and trim it, you can have primary canopy for shade. Uh, you can have secondary canopy. Um, for uses interspersed throughout your food forest. And you can also mm -hmm. grow it for its leaf production in a very intensive way, uh, intensive planting and cut very short in a small amount of space. You can produce massive volumes of leaf and tender stem. And uh, that's really exciting too. So if you want a living fence or a windbreak, moringa, mm -hmm. you know, why not grow the most nutritious tree that we have on earth? <laughs> and have it do yeah. these multiple functions. Yeah, uh, right. In North Florida, we can get three harvests per grow season off of our leaf production plots, which is really exciting. You can't do that with tomatoes or corn or beans, right. you right. know? Right. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, how, <laughs> how do you harvest Moringa? I mean, is it harvested in different ways depending upon what you want to do with it? I think so. Um, I think so. Some people will use different applications. Industrially in the larger farms in India and China and, and in Africa, they're trying to discover new ways of mechanizing that process to make it more efficient, much like a corn harvester would go through the field. Right. Um, what I do in my plots is I just take my clippers um, and go along. Yeah. For the larger trees, you can just walk up to a tree and just snap the branches. It is a softwood. Um, okay. It's really easy to deal with. And when I went to Moringa School in California, that's what we did. We just snapped branches and then took a saw to the center stalk uh, for when it was time to cut that down. Okay. So um, I thought I misunderstood your question. I thought you were asking what, like, what parts of the tree are edible. And I, well, yeah, that too, because I noticed you you mentioned the tender stems. Right. Is that part of what you're harvesting and using, the stems um, and the leaves? For human consumption, it's really mostly used, uh, we mostly use the leaves, um, okay. but also in the more mature trees, it has massive amounts of flowers that look like these gorgeous white orchids with little orange centers. I don't know if you've seen the photos. Uh, and then those turn into the seed pods, which is okay. where it's, it's named the drumstick tree. Okay. Uh, long pods, 12 to 18 inches long. Um, and a mature tree in the right environment can produce up to 300 pods per season. Um, wow. And that's where we'll find 12 to 15 seeds in the pod. Yeah. And young, they're edible. In fact, in the Philippines, um, you can get them in grocery stores canned, like we have canned asparagus. They have canned moringa pods. 
Really? They kind of look like uh, like yard-long beans, like okay. no- noodle beans when they're young. Yeah, they're crunchy, and they have a really mild flavor like asparagus. Oh, wow. I had no idea that the pods were edible like that. That's so cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. really cool. So it kind of does a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so it does. Okay. I, and I hope I'm not jumping the gun here, but um, share, when we met you at Scrubfest, you shared with me about uh, growing plots um, for the homestead. And um, what caught my attention is because I'm a small dairy producer here for our local community. And um, you gave me some numbers that just blew my mind as far as dairy production. And so share with us a little bit how people are able to grow for livestock fodder. Um, Typically, the the livestock grows are done intensively for what's called uh, green matter production. Um, Some studies will remove just the leaves and some most of them do uh, the tender stems at about two feet in height, mm-hmm. uh, and it'll get continuously harvested for this green matter production. But um, as far as uh, adding this moringa, you can do it at levels of 10, 15, 20, and 30% of your hay additive. And studies have shown that moringa can increase the lactation of any mammal. Um, up to 35% increase in milk production. It's crazy. Crazy (laughs) increase, right? Yeah. I have to to, um, just um, mention that some of these studies are done in areas where they don't have a lot of resources. There might be some malnutrition in the animals, et cetera. So the increases may jump up huge for those animals. But in all of the studies I've read, there's also a a really a lean weight gain in the young um, the young cows and sheep and goats. They also increase the lean muscle mass. Uh, okay. They believe it's because of the high nutritional value of the moringa itself. But it works in birds too, chickens, ducks, uh, geese. Um, and this additive is so nutritious that now the the studies all the way through PhD level are investigating supplementing our fish feed for our aquaponic systems and our fish farms, because currently there's a lot of toxicity going on in the fish industry that we have to mitigate. That's pretty cool. Right? It, it, I mean, it really, like, it really is a magical tree. <laughs> nature's perfect multivitamin. I mean, even fish are getting into moringa. Like, <laughs> it's a miracle plant. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's fascinating stuff. That's right. That's awesome. um, and it's heavily used also for human consumption in areas that don't have a lot of resources. Mm-hmm. Um, NGOs can bring in seeds and people to help them get the farming going and get it introduced. Um, and increases in baby weight, uh, mother health has been increased, and now they have a product to sell, so now they have an income. So we can build more schools, uh, build wells, and things of that nature just by using the one plant. Um, Awesome. Yeah, pretty incredible. Yeah. So talk to me about starting these seeds. I need to start some seeds. They're easy. Are they easy? You get your seeds in some soil. Yes, you do. (laughs) And that's it, right? You put it in the soil and they just take off. Yeah. So yeah, what's the I, time you I just started? seeded about 500 right now. Um, 
and then and I repotted a lot uh, that didn't sell last year. Now they'll go into my pots and they'll they'll resprout. Okay. The seeds are really easy. You'll you'll hear a lot of techniques for you know doing it. Oh, crack the shell, take the shell off, soak it overnight, etc. And really, it's recommended that you just start with a nice seed starting mix. The secret, uh, I think, is getting a nice deep uh, pot or a nice really deep tray. Um, I mean, like four inches. Okay. Uh, Ringa is a taproot tree, and so it's just going to go straight down. Okay. Um, in order to help that. Uh, and so you just get your mix, you get it nice and moist. Um, you don't want it to go any further than an inch, half inch to an inch is fine, even for the large seeds. Okay. Uh, and then you just cover it with the soil and you want to keep it moist, but never wet. And that's one of the reasons why some people's Moringa seeds might not take is they're overwatering them and they get waterlogged and they don't activate. Okay. And then I you just, just wait. Yeah. And compost pile did you I did I well not a compost pile, but just fresh really? compost on a garden bed like in in my in-ground garden and um, I had three seeds they were old <laughs> right. I just had the space and had the seeds and said let's try this two of them came up um, that was two years ago and I lost one in the Christmas freeze last year mm-hmm. um, the other one died back and I cut it back last spring and it's now this year it's like it has like four trunks to it um i don't really know what else to do i didn't coppice it like i should but um i didn't know so i'm gonna ask you for direction on that too but as far (laughs) as the starting seeds go i just put three little seeds in the compost watered them two of them came up and um i was shocked (laughs) yeah yeah everyone that i've experienced who's who's gone into the moringa um is amazed at at the real um it just has this striking uh, vitality for wanting to grow and produce. Okay. And it's one of those plants that when you do coppice it, it comes back stronger. Yeah. Okay. Like you had experience of having the four trunks. Yeah. So Moringa loves to be trimmed. It loves to bush out. Um, and uh, the stronger the root ball and older the root ball gets, the more vitality returns to the above ground experience. As long as we keep the root ball intact without it uh, freezing or getting too much water and getting fungal infection, no matter what happens above ground, Moringa will just come back and show more abundance when the weather warms up. Very nice. Yeah. So Your it, listeners should know that it is, it is going to go dormant um, around 60 degrees temperature mm-hmm, and okay. below. Mm-hmm. So she's just going to hang out. And that's why I recommend anyone growing it before the temperatures really get to that level, take what I call final harvest. Uh, And that's where we take all of the leaf. We want all that leaf we can get, get all the branches and cut the center stalk down to about, well, you know, 12 to 10 inches for newer growth. Some of the older growth trees, you can keep the primary laterals and usually three feet is the general rule for an older tree. If you're in an area that freezes, as long as there's no permafrost, the root ball stays nice. You don't have to water it until springtime. Give it a little fertilizer and bam, here comes Moringa again. It comes right back. It, will, it really does. With a vengeance, with an attitude almost. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. So, um, okay, so on that note, talk to me about, okay, I know what I've done wrong. But I don't know how to fix this. So I have this four stalk 
four trunk tree, basically. It's like 25, 30 feet tall. It has pods drying <laughs> off of it that are up in the top of the tree. Awesome. Um, so I'll cut it back when it starts to warm up and, you know, the, the new growth is, is ready to come on. Um, and I'll, I'll have all of that. I mean, it still has green leaves. We've had frost, we've had freeze and, um, yeah. it's still, it's still there. She's still standing. Yeah. Um, so when I cut it back, how, how often should I be cutting it for leaf harvest? Um, in this area, I think, uh, I think three harvests per grow season is really reasonable. Um, some grows might produce more, but we could, we could very easily expect that you could get three leaf harvests off of it. Okay. And then if I want pods at the end of the growing season, at what point do I need to stop cutting? <laughs> ah, so that's kind of different, um, for pod production. I recommend that we that we lop the trees to get them to bush mm -hmm. uh, for the first six to nine months. Um, let that root ball establish, uh, and then we're cutting it back again. Um, okay. And it all really depends on the tree and its flower production. Mm -hmm. uh, but I don't recommend using the same tree for leaf and for uh, pod um, to maximize. So I need or a moringa. What's that? <laughs> you need to plant more. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. So here's something interesting. Um, as a dietary supplement, um, it's a tablespoon of the dry powder per day per adult as your vitamin supplement. Mm -hmm. um, that equates moringa fresh to dry is six to one, uh, basically. So it takes six tablespoons or a quarter cup fresh to equal the one tablespoon powder, right? Okay. So okay. if we wanted to supplement every day for a year with moringa, we would need to produce 122 and a half cups of moringa per adult per year. And so we kind of reverse engineer from there. So I recommend that if that is the goal initially, that each adult should have planted somewhere about 20 plants okay. and then some intensive grow with those and then let a couple of them be the tree portion so that we can produce flowers and pods and then increase our grow from there. Okay. Right. So with reverse engineering, we can kind of design a plan where it can go into the permaculture food forest, into the garden system. And even in gardening, I know people who've grown Moringa just for chop and drop soil um, amendments, which mm -hmm. is amazing. It grows so fast and you're chopping and dropping three times a year. Alley cropping is another great way to use it. Mm -hmm. Or you can Moringa, and there are a lot of studies that use it uh, with sweet potatoes and coffee, tea, beans, and it is a wonderful plant for that as the taproot breaks up soils underneath, releasing all those nutrients. Right. It really is a workhorse that I think all of your farmsteading friends should have at least 30 or 40 going, <laughs> you know, for not only our use, but for then we add our animals. Right. Um, on an intensive thing, that sounds like a lot, but on an intensive plant, like my plot uh, here, I have two 10 by fives. Okay. And in my first 10 by five, uh, I got about 75 Moringa seeds planted in a little 50 That's square cool. foot space. That's totally doable. Yeah. So That's doable. Lot space. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, and a lot of the researchers who have experimented with it for uh, green matter for animal production, mm -hmm. um, they found tighter spacing than that, uh, literally down to like three or four inches apart. Um, wow. And How far are yours? Uh, mine, one of my plots, I did uh, eight, and then I increased it to twelve because I'm exploring in this area. Yeah, we have, you know, a nutritional concern over our soils here in Florida, it yeah. being a big sandbar. Yeah. So uh, that is right. the one thing that I think is the biggest hurdle if anyone wanted to get into Moringa is soil prep. Okay. Right. So talk to us. Is it a heavy feeding plant? Yeah. You know, like other like other stuff in nature, if it's not in the soil, it really can't be in the plant. It's mm -hmm. still going to be awesome at converting what is there into its its leaves and its stems. Um, so the key to Moringa is really getting a, a, a high, high uh, nutritive value soil going or at least trying to grow. Okay. I think interesting for, for the growers is that Moringa's taproot, so you can easily have clovers and other types of uh, plants all around your Moringa grow covering the soil and then chopping that and just leaving it on top of the soil. Um, Okay. So it doesn't really overcompete for nutrients on the surface level as mm -hmm. it's gone down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I, that's that's why I wanted to know about it, its nutrient uh, requirement because in in like a food forest application, um, that's not really what I have going on where my moringa tree is, but um, because I'm just not good at that. <laughs> I want to be better at that, but I'm not good at that. But I do have um, some things planted around the base of my moringa. Um, I think I have collard greens there, and I had potatoes in that bed last year, so there's like a rogue potato or two coming up. Um, nothing seems bothered by it yet. It doesn't seem to be stealing nutrients per se um everything seems happy so far but um i don't know i don't know if that's going to last long term or not i don't know if i need to give it more space or um or what yeah it sounds like it's doing great um you know if it's not broke don't fix it um, right. i have read studies that that did uh sweet potatoes uh and and other surface kind of root crops um i think yucca was in one of them uh, Moringa does go straight down. Uh, when we plant for trees, we're digging uh, minimum two feet into the soil to prepare it. Um, mm -hmm. Or uh, if we're raking it in the field, uh, it gets raked down to three feet. And then heavy applications of manure are turned in. Uh, and then it's just planted and left alone um, after that with annual additions. Um, and you can fertilize with it if if people prefer to go organic, you can use organic sprays, compost teas, mm -hmm. uh, worm casting teas. But as much as much nutrition as you can put into the soil for a moringa grow is really going to benefit the, the ability of it to produce more. But it's not necessary. Moringa grows in uh, desert areas in Africa um, with very minimal amounts of water, um, so it's drought tolerant. Uh, and can tolerate many different types of soil. Uh, the, the capacity of it to be so amazing in what it can produce, um, it kind of drives, you know, if we can do more nutrition in the soil and all, but uh, we don't need to get lost in this perfectionism before trying to grow it because Moringa just wants to be abundant for us all. So yeah. 
my advice to everybody is just, you know, get some seeds in the ground. Uh, if you have questions, you can contact me at Moringa John on Facebook. I'll help you design a grow. Um, I have access to seedlings. I have seedling trays at a really great rate that we can talk about if you want to do 100 plants. Right. Say, Plant once and enjoy forever, you and your animals. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty amazing feature right there. Anything that's just going to come back like that. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Right. Can you imagine being a dairy farmer? And, you know, even if you only got a 20% increase in your milk production and your feed that's going to do that comes back every year. Right. With your hay and all the other stuff. And that's the thing that really resonated with me because because we we are I mean I never would have called myself a dairy farmer I mean we have dairy cows <laughs> I milk I do milk cows and I do sell milk but like my dairyman vet said you do milk cows and you do sell milk you're a dairy farmer <laughs> so a very, very very tiny scale uh, dairy farmer but we live on a sand mountain out here where we are and um, we have a real hard time with grass. Um, and, and all of our fields are overgrazed. Like it, it's just the way it is. It's very difficult to grow anything here. Um, the land is not suited for cattle, but we had the cattle when we got here and I'm not getting out of cattle anytime soon, right. but Moringa sounds like could be part of the answer to our problem with, it, yeah, very well for, for growing feed here for the dairy cows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah in the grasses or even as its own uh, row cropping system, you know. Um, I'm not sure. Uh, The applications are usually in other countries that the studies have been done. Unfortunately, because it is so advantageous, people who are profiting from other levels and other areas in production really don't want to see this Moringa take over. I even saw a a report once where it started to be introduced in another state where they wanted to make it illegal to grow Moringa in that state. So we have to be aware that this pressure might come eventually if it really do take off. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, but it definitely, like you were saying for your cow production, um, it can be, uh, it can be done in many, many different ways. uh, If you wanted to concentrate it in one area. Right. uh, I think it's a, I would love to see someone experimenting with it as an additive to their silage as well. Yeah. Um, Because I think it would, it would be great um, to just put it into the hay areas and cut it down with and let it, let it ferment and, and uh, and go from there. Right. But we really do need more people exploring with it and playing with it. Mm -hmm. I I love to be the trailblazer on (laughs) (laughs) And play the figure it out game. Let's so. play some trails, ladies. Add that to my list this year. Right. My husband will be so excited. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think the really fun thing is in a small area, you really can do an intensive grow and produce quite a bit. Right. And start playing with it. Yeah. Yeah, that has my wheels turning. I got to mm-hmm. be honest. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you could essentially just designate because you'd have to keep it in an area to keep the cows out of it Mm -hmm. long enough for it to grow, Mm -hmm. you know, and maybe just designate one end of your garden. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, while you're planning, put the put the grow in the northern spot if you don't want the shade, you know, to hit your your plants. A lot of folks in Florida need shade in the summer. 
Yeah. I think a nice tall Moringa, Moringa row to create some shade and help us grow a little bit longer would be a stunning application too. Yeah, absolutely. I know I've got one section of my garden that does get some of that afternoon shade. And a lot of times in the summer, it does a lot better over there on right. that side. So right. um, yeah. full sun in Florida is it's like no other. <laughs> brutal. And here's another amazing thing about the Moringa plant. It really demands full sun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It wants 100% of all the sun you can throw at it. It grows great in like Arizona and Texas. It grows in Africa, um, places where other plants just really don't seem to be able to make it work. Uh-huh, so right. what, a, what a gift for a Floridian, you know? It yeah. Sounds like it's perfect for Florida. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. The only thing we have to be aware of is the water table, you guys, underneath. Florida has yeah. got so much water seeping up. We really don't want it to be in a place that has, you know, a, an 18-inch water table because that that root ball will probably not last more than two or three years before it it rots hey i'm on the yeah. sand mountain <laughs> <laughs> good, good. you're in the clear here where i'd have to be a little bit more picky mm-hmm. yeah yeah at my yeah. place yeah and also um you can grow it in containers if you want to i have two i have three 50 gallon as an experiment 50 gallon containers and i filled them uh, and I put five plants in each, uh, and they have done amazing. Uh, wow. They did so well. One of them wanted to be a giant and flower and pod. My first one, I wasn't trying, and it wanted to give me a seed pod. So I nurtured it like a little baby. And uh, that tree, in the course of nine months, got almost 18 feet tall out of the 50-gallon pot. I believe it. I, be- I mean, like you said, it just has this this desire to bring forth life it really does it's super cool i mean I, I have pretty much neglected mine and it's thriving you know not just right? surviving it's thriving so yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's bringing hope yeah and cool. then you get you get all the uses from all the different products everything about the tree is not only edible but it is medicinal so as right. you go down the rabbit hole um, you can kind of discover the different things but even as a homesteader all of that branch and stalk material from all of that harvesting. Now you've right. got steaks for your tomatoes. You can make trellises for your beans. Mm-hmm. Um, all kinds of really great things. It's great for making paper. Um, this, the seeds can be used to purify and clarify water. If there's a big, you know, magnetic strike and all the pumps go down. Right, right. Water through the seed cakes. Uh, we don't do much with the with the the seed oil in areas where it's not super cold or we're not doing seed farming but the oil has been used in cosmetics and for biodiesel and cooking for thousands of years so wow. have at it grow moringa everybody <laughs> okay, well, find john uh, moringa john on facebook where is that the only place people is that the best place people can find you right now yeah i'm still trying to build my infrastructure and i'm not very talented with all of that the story of our lives, John. <laughs> You're in good company. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, y'all check out John. He's got lots of cool pictures. He's also going to be joining us at the American Farmstead Convention in, in May. May. Yes. Yeah. So uh, if you're looking for some Moringa starts, come join us and get them from John. Absolutely. Or if you just have questions, send them through you or to my Facebook group. I love to talk about Moringa. So whatever's going on, let me know. 
Awesome. Thanks, Perfect. John, for joining well, us. We appreciate you and, and your knowledge from sharing. Thank you so much. Yes. And I'm going to get home and I'm going to dig out my seeds and I'm going to start them seeds. Yeah. I think Absolutely. I have about 10. Absolutely. Yep. Start a whole plot. <laughs> what a great way to start a Monday, you guys. All right. Yes. Thanks, John. Thank we'll talk to you so soon. Much, All right. Take care. Bye bye.